Me, Craig Barton, a show where I usually interview people from the wonderful world of education who interest and inspire me, but if you've read the title to this episode, you will know that this is yet another of the conference takeaway episodes, where I am lucky enough to attend one of the wonderful education conferences that happen around the UK, and I sit down with a fellow delegate at the end of the day to discuss some of the wonderful sessions that we've seen. And I am back with fan favourite, <laughs> the most uh, appearances ever on the yeah. Mr Barton Maths Podcast. Winner. Winner, <laughs> uh, Miss Jo Morgan. Hello, Jo. Hello. Um, can we clarify the situation with the fact that this is the end of a very long day and we've been to the conference dinner and, yeah. and I've had a few glasses of wine? Yeah, so, if yes. there was some kind of blood alcohol test... <laughs> For doing this podcast, Joe would not pass the test. I'm, I'm not too bad. It's been a very long day for me, but I've, I've only had a couple of glasses just, of wine. Just so. to clarify, I'm a very professional person and I'm not, I, I do not drink much, so uh, no, nothing to worry about. There we go. If yeah. you've got young children listening to this, yes. just, just in case, Joe may alter a few things that aren't suitable. Anyway, before we talk <laughs> about where we are and what we're doing, we're pleased to say this episode has been proudly sponsored by one of my favourite websites, and Joe Morgan, and I can confirm you, you're not being paid a penny to say any of this kind of stuff. I'm not, no. Well, that, your, why am I not? <laughs> one of your favourite websites, <laughs> Boss Maths. Now, yes. Boss Maths sponsored an episode a while back, um, and it was a pleasure of mine to talk about some of the wonderful resources on Boss Maths, but I've got lots of things to say, but I thought it'd be a good idea for you to start, Joe, because... I think it's fair to say that you have been behind some of the uh, kind of introducing the world to the wonders of Boss Maths. I feel like I broke the news on Boss Maths. So tell, uh, us, tell us the story. Because, I, the because story. I had an email from Sadiq, the, um, the, one of the guys behind Boss Maths. Um, I can't remember when it was. I reckon it was, was it last year or the year before? And he sent me an email saying, have you seen the website? And I'd never seen it. And I've normally seen things. Ooh. So I was like, whoa, what is this? Because it was like a fully written, the whole GCSE spec lesson on every topic. Um, so I, t- I blogged about it, and, and it's funny because now I have people on Twitter sometimes saying, have you seen Boss Mouse? And it's like, yeah, I've yeah, seen it, and you, you people have seen it because I, I shared it. Um, I think it's fantastic, and I do recommend it a lot. So when I run training in my trust on resources, I tell my teachers about it because I talk about the whole downloading PowerPoints thing that a lot mm. of teachers do, and a lot of teachers will download PowerPoints and not look at them and deliver them in lessons. And, oh, I, and, I, yeah, and I talk about whether that's a good thing or not, and obviously there's lots of bad things about that. Um, but I also talk about how um, the stuff on BossMass, which are entire lessons that aren't PowerPoints, but it, you can run it kind of like slides, they're very, very good quality. Mm. So if you're, gonna, if, you ha- if you're pressed for time and you want to deliver someone else's lesson, then BossMass is the place to look, because it's every single topic... Um, there are examples, there's a warm-up, there's examples, there's exercises, uh, exam-style question, a spot, the mistake, They're a nice. challenge, oh, and so it's, it's everything you'd need, um, and, and lately they've added all these lovely examples, non-examples, have you seen yes. those? They're really good. They are very good. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say two words to you here, have you heard about this? Top Topics. I have not. Now, this is a new feature in ah. Boss Maths. Now, this is interesting. It's because Sudeep, um, when, when we were discussing um, uh, sponsoring the show, he said, I might not want to mention this because he's heard the Mark McCourt episode where Mark McCourt <laughs> said that starters are, cover your ears, children, bollocks. Oh, yeah. 
Um, and what Sudeep is pointing out here is that they've got these things, top topics, which allows you to quickly and easily generate sets of questions on any topic that test fundamental knowledge. So it's not your problem solving stuff, but it's a way to right. essentially assemble mixed topic retrieval starters. Oh, so people that want to do the last lesson last week thing, they can exactly. use this. Exactly. Oh, nice. yeah, yeah. So there's your kind of, because that's the problem, isn't it? Often it's coming up with the questions, it's putting them together. Yeah, and just having the time to find something, yeah. So yeah. if you're into your starters, which I still am, as I argued on the, on the <laughs> podcast, and Mark, you know, if he's listening, whatever, um, top topics could be the way forward. So that, that's Boss Maths, a website that, we both love, which seems to be getting better and better. It's it's really really good quality stuff. I'm, I I mean I actually use it. There's, I like to write my own lessons, but I, I I do use a bit of boss maths. I, I must admit. The it's funny about the starter thing because you know I um, I find the idea of starting a lesson without a starter really weird. I don't know I don't know about the mixed topic stuff and whether I mean normally my starters relate to the lesson, um, but it was really funny because after listening to your podcast with Mark about that. And having heard lots of the discussion about the starters, I went into a, a lesson where they were doing a Corbett Mass five a day starter because this school uses them for every lesson. And there was a boy, and I can't remember what he was doing, but the boy was doing something absolutely mathematically nonsense. Like right. it was terrible. Right. It was a year 10 lesson and, and, and they were really badly behaved and it was just generally you know, bad situation. And I went and I was circulating and I think the teacher was in the register and I was going around and I was looking over their shoulder helping them and doing all that sort of thing. And whatever he'd written was stupid. Right. And I said, I corrected him. And I said, actually, and I explained it. And he said, yeah, it doesn't matter though, miss. Just starter in there. And oh. I was like, oh! It's like, oh, this is what Mark's talking wow. about. So me sort of thinking, I disagree That's with Mark. And he's saying, they, just, they don't think the starter's important. And literally a week later, a student said to me, doesn't matter, it's just a starter. And I was like, oh, wow. no! <laughs> well, that is interesting. Yeah. And it was like, I've seen it in action. And he, he wouldn't even, he wouldn't even correct what he'd written down. Because it was a starter. Because he didn't care because it was a starter. He said, doesn't matter. And I was like, because I was saying to him, Could, do you want to write down what yes. I just explained to you? And he was like, no, it's just a starter. I mean, that is Mark's point, isn't it? If the yeah. kids don't buy into it and take it seriously, it's a waste of time. I don't like having that kind of confirmation going Well, I don't like Mark being right, to be honest with you. But um, it, it comes down to culture, doesn't it? Like, if you, yeah, yeah, if you yeah. generate the culture where the starter is important, yes. and I think if, you, if you're telling kids we're doing this to retrieve prime exactly if they understand that that idea yeah exactly yeah and, and, yeah, and yeah perfect so that is boss button for the legal team out there just to clarify joe is not getting paid a penny to say that i'm no, very, no, very, no, ple- no, very no, pleased really to say i love very, boss maths yeah um so we we strongly both recommend that you check out boss maths yes. and, and if you're interested like boss maths in sponsoring an episode of the podcast then just drop me an email mrbartomatsgmail.com to discuss the sponsor packages available and if you want joe to talk about your website as well she'll do it for free <laughs> i have to like it <laughs> yeah that's true that is true right okay so where are we we are at now let me get this right, so I've been getting this wrong all day. The NEI mm-hmm. 2019 conference in Bath University. Mm. We're currently sat in a kitchen. <laughs> in halls, yeah. In halls of residence. It's half ten at night um, on a Friday night. You, you've been all over the place. Are you all Friday night. Track I've, I've, I've lost, I've lost yeah. track where I am. But just to set the scene, 
we are in halls of residence. Now, we've done a fair few of these conferences, <laughs> university-based ones, yeah. but I think this is the smallest bed I've ever, I've ever seen. It's pretty small. I don't know how they live in it for a year. Um, no. I mean, did you, did you stay in halls when you were at university? I did, yes. And was it, was it better, it like was, bigger? It was Cambridge, Joe, so it was, it of was course, it was perfect. So, yes. I bet you had gold-plated beds. Exactly yeah. right. So, um, <laughs> the, this, is, um, this is very small, but, um, it, I mean, it's hilarious because this morning I had a shower that was dangerously scalding hot, um, like, as in the the soles of my feet were burning in the shower. I had to get shampoo, sure. I had to get the shampoo out of my hair in the sink because I couldn't cope with it anymore. And then I went and asked them to fix it. And then now I have muddy footprints all over the floor of my bathroom. So it's not like this isn't like high quality stuff. Well, but this is we're fine with this. The aren't food we? is great, and there's all this. The campus is lovely, and it's so sunny that I I sunbathe twice today in between sessions. It's lovely. So, so I sort of want to. I kind of decided now I want to work on a campus or live on a campus because I'm having such a lovely time. Now, the twist is that I've only just arrived. I arrived just before, uh, before tea, and um, off for you Southerners, just before dinner, um, <laughs> because I've been on a kind of mini tour this, this week, uh, around the country. I've not been home since, since Sunday, so I couldn't come to the first two days of this conference. But fear not, because Joe Morgan, you've been here, you've been attending conferences, um, I've seen you on Twitter saying this is one of the best conferences you've been to. Mm-hmm. You've been inspired by keynotes, by workshops and so on. And the best thing about this is you've not really told me anything about it. So this is all going to be a big surprise to me, like it's going to be for for the listeners. So I'm just going to sit here and let you tell me (laughs) some of the the interesting takeaways that you've got. So where do you want to start? Um, Okay, so... The, it's a three-day conference. I love residential conferences, by the way. I get a lot out of them. It's very chilled. There's lots of time to reflect. You're, it's a very different crowd. I love the LaSalle conferences, yes. the one-day things, but it's a totally different speakers. So I get to see things that I don't normally see. Um, I So this started Thursday morning, and I um, I went to a session on misconceptions, okay. which was good. Um, and I probably, I probably shouldn't talk about every session I've been to, because okay. I've been to a lot. So yeah, let's yeah. pick out a few. Pick out a few the misconceptions one, um, it was, we talked about, well, we just kind of discussed some classic misconceptions really and there was like a card sort and we were looking at, and, and the idea was that we were just sort of trying to talk about strategies for dealing with them. But someone on Twitter tweeted me about, um, about, about asking about misconceptions and someone replied and said actually some of these are mistakes, not misconceptions. Oh, okay. And I think this is a really interesting thing because I, I agree with that, like there was one of the misconceptions was uh, one times one equals two. Yeah, it, and it equals one actually, doesn't it? So yes, yeah. yes. So, so, but the question is, are they are they getting that wrong because they don't understand what one times one is? I don't think so. I think you see that when they expand a quadratic x plus one x plus one double brackets, yes. and they accidentally write. Um, Two, two at the end. Yes, yes. And, and, and I don't think that's a misconception. Oh, I think that's okay. just a sloppy mistake. Like, they're just careless error. Yeah. So, and then we talked about expanding a single bracket. You know when it's like, say, five and then a single bracket, x plus two, and they write five x plus two. So they forget yes, to multiply yes, the yes, second yes. term. And again, we talked about ways of, of, of dealing with that by, by showing them an area model and explaining mm. how. But actually, I think more often than not, they know they're meant to multiply that second number yes. and they've just been careless and forgotten. I'm obsessed with misconceptions, yeah. as you may know. My kind of way of differentiating between a mistake versus a misconception, mm-hmm. and see if this sits well with you, Joe. I think if you say to a kid, check your work, yeah. if, if it's a mistake, they'll spot it as yeah, a okay. misconception they want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so we had a really nice discussion about um, all sorts of misconceptions 
and um, you know that you know the, the one that so that everyone's got their favourite or the one that drives them crazy. Yeah, I don't like it when they're working out the mean from a table and they divide by the number of rows. Oh, that uh, really makes up. me really yeah. makes me upset. Yes. I think that's my number one hated misconception. Yeah. Do you have a number one hated misconception? There's so I think what annoys me a little bit, and I think this is more of a mistake. But even like when there's something complicated, mm. like um, graded to a perpendicular line. Yeah. So something real complicated, yeah. but they, they get it muddled up. So they either don't change the sign or mm-hmm. they just, they do, a, they change the sign but don't do the reciprocal thing where it's, everything else is in place, but they've just kind of forgotten this one thing. That annoys me. But again, that's probably more a mistake than a misconception. Yeah, that's interesting. Anyway, I, I, can, I can still sleep at night. Yes. Not I can't sleep at night with the mean thing. That really upsets right. me. Yeah. Alright, that sounds a good session. It was good. It was good. And actually, a lot of these sessions, um, well, as in any good conference session, there's lots of time to chat to people, and and so I'm meeting new people, and and it's always good to meet new maths teachers. So it's really nice. I went to one on famous maths problems from history. Oh, that sounds good. It does sound good, given that I have this interest in kind of historical stuff. Yeah, and that was with the guy whose name I've said I can't pronounce. So I'm going to say Phil Chaffe or I don't know. Um, he's got, I can't say his surname, so apologies to Phil. Um, and he, um, he went through things really quickly and I hadn't solved any of the problems when he went for the answer. So right. I was like struggling to keep up. Oh, that's um, that's always interesting to be in the shoes of a kid there, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but he, there was one that, where he gave us little squares of paper, like origami type paper. And it was a, um, it was a ratio type question but you had to fold the paper and figure out the ratio mm. um, and I and I loved that and I really got into it but he'd gone through the answer so I knew what the answer was and then afterwards I kept working oh, on it trying to figure out for myself um, but it was he was showing kind of problems from different periods of history and the kind of what what the sort of big like trendy maths problems of the time oh, were. God, well, that's interesting. It was a lovely session, yeah. I like things like that. Any particular problem that, that caught your eye? Oh, well, I mean, well, like I said, I was sort of, I was, I was really, I spent most of the session on the paper folding one, oh, so yeah, so I was a little bit behind on that. Um, but yeah, it was the, the, the um, I, lo- I like all, I, lo- I love looking at things from the past. I think maths in the past is so interesting, and there, there was, um, there was some really nice stuff. And then, and in general, I mean, actually, I've been, to, I've done a whole load of problem solving for the last two days, which is always good for me. Mm. It's always, always enjoyable. Um, let's see. Oh, so then on that day we had the first keynote. Oh, now, listeners, oh, I'm dear. sick of hearing about this. So picture the scene. <laughs> so I'm, I should clarify here, I'm doing the closing keynote of the conference tomorrow morning. Very exciting, a great honour for me to, to do it. So I'm on the train um, a couple of days ago, whenever it was, Thursday, just <laughs> checking Twitter. And all I'm seeing is people banging on about this is the most amazing keynote they've ever heard, the yeah. longest applause ever for a keynote, <laughs> most inspirational talk ever. So, what's, what's so good about this? It really what, was. I mean, there's is, no what way. Is this, what is this this speaker doing that I can't be that I'm missing out right, on? Right. So this is uh, Dr. Eugenia Cheng. Um, she is so she's a lecturer. She. She's a lecturer in Chicago, no, is it Chicago? I think it's Chicago, where she lectures arts students in maths. Okay. And um, so these are people that traditionally haven't really liked maths. Mm. And, um, and it sounds to me like she can control her entire curriculum. So she can choose what to teach them. So she teaches them really cool stuff. Imagine that. Like, imagine how different our lives would be if we weren't controlled by assessment and curriculum. Like, so she, she has this wonderful job. She used to teach, uh, she's a lecturer at Cambridge, I believe, in Sheffield. Um, and there she was lecturing maths 
and her talk was about well, it's about gender really. Okay. So um, it was about um, kind of about gender, but also kind of about people who who don't like um, who who don't like maths, whether they're male or female. Um, and she talked about how her art students at the moment are over ninety percent of them are female. Okay. Whereas when she taught maths, when she lectured maths, um, under thirty percent of them are female. So she's shifted from teaching mostly male to mostly female. Okay. And um, and she was talking about how they how they kind of when you ask them about why why don't they like maths and the things they say and she's trying to get to the bottom of why don't they like it and what can she do about it to make them like it okay. which I think is lovely because you know there she could kind of she could approach her job from any angle but it's, yes. she's she's so passionate about making them really like maths. And what she said is that instead of talking about gender all the time and just saying it's a male-female thing, she's kind of categorised people into ingressive and congressive. And, and she's, people go on a spectrum. And then she describes what she means by those words that she made up, basically. So she's made up ways of classifying them. Um, okay, so things like... So an ingressive person is very competitive. Okay. So when, when you describe these, you quite often imagine a man, but actually a woman could be ingressive. I'm imagining you so far with this ingressive. <laughs> so Competitive, and um, they focus on themselves, yeah. um, they like winning, they, Morgan, they yeah. like showing they're clever, they call out answers, um, they enjoy solving problems, and they like being right or wrong, okay. um, and they overestimate their own abilities. Wow. Okay. Now, apart from that last one, I do, I do have a lot. Of, obviously, I don't overestimate my own abilities because I'm just awesome. <laughs> but no, I do have a lot of that stuff. So I am. I do like right or wrong. Like I do like. Oh, I don't yeah, like yeah. open mass questions with no. I I like there being yes. an answer. Um, and is she saying she's not saying that ingressive is a more kind of male character? Um, no, I, I think I think when um, she's not necessarily saying that, but she's suggesting that. Um, the people who are ingressive like maths and people who are congressive don't like maths. Oh, right, okay. Um, so congressive would be people who um, prefer to work collaboratively, focus on community. They don't like it when anyone loses. So this, oh, you know, yeah. as opposed to enjoying winning, yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't like it when anyone loses. Um, they don't like being thought of as being stupid. Now, that, that is, that's my number yes. one thing. I absolutely hate it when people think I'm stupid. That's like, you know, like in um, Back to the Future... Yes. When uh, Marty doesn't like ah, it, when people call him a coward and, yes, or a chicken, yes. and he like totally overreacts. I'm like that when I think someone's okay. calling me stupid. Um, they, they are reluctant to speak up. They like making connections. They like creating things, building things, and they underestimate their own abilities. Right. So these the, people, crea the creating things and building things is interesting, right? Because you, you'd imagine that's maybe a characteristic of somebody who who likes maths. Um, perhaps. I mean, I well, well, mind you, having said that, I don't. I, I love maths, but I, I hate creating and building things. So yeah, maybe yeah. that's right. What about you? Do you like creating and building things? Um, I think I've, uh, as I've got older, I've kind of realised I'm an ideas person. I never would have said I was an ideas oh. person, but I'm certainly not. I wouldn't say I'm a creative person. No, no, no. Um, I do like kind of in a kind of meeting, I'll be the person that suggests new right, ideas. Okay. But um, I certainly don't. Like, and she talked about how she doesn't like maths games. She likes puzzles, but not games. And I would say um, I'm kind of the same as okay. that. Okay, well, this is um, interesting. Yeah, so she's, she, she talks about ways of making maths appeal to ingressive people or to congressive people. How you can turn maths that currently appeals to ingressive people into maths that oh, will appeal cool. to tell, congressive tell people. Tell me about that. That sounds So she's saying that, so ingressive people, they like written symbols, whereas congressive people prefer phys, uh, visual and physical stuff. Yes. Um, she um, she talked about how ingressive people like outcomes, whereas congressive people like process. Um, oh, she talks about things like discovery and investigations. Um, 
which I mean, as opposed to facts, whereas I, I like my facts, yeah, whereas, whereas opposed to my kind of uh, investigation, I, I guess. So I do think, you know, I, I kind of, she said it's a spectrum, she yes. said, it's not a dichotomy, like people sit, in, you know, in various places. Um, she talked about, as opposed to um, calculating answers, you could change that into uncovering relationships. So she's talking about how to kind of adapt teaching so that it appeals more widely. Okay. She talked about a thing that I need to look up, the Julia Robinson Maths Festival, which is a set of resources um, to explore the richness and beauty of maths. And she talks about how she uses those. Julia Robinson. Julia Robinson. So I need to look them up because I haven't looked at them yet. She talked about how ingressive students would like traditional lecturing and congressive would like project-based learning, wow. which, you know, I'm not sure about that. I mean, you know, this is why I know that I'm not definitely yes. congressive, which is traditionally the female thing. Um, she talked about right versus wrong compared to low floor, high ceiling, and we all agree that low floor, high ceiling is a sensible way of teaching. Um, and then she talked about um, books like Which One Doesn't Belong? You know, oh, yes. a great book. So she talked about all the sort of, it was kind of about gender, but more about personality type That's and nice. how you can make maths have a wider appeal. Then she talked about category theory, which okay. is, so, oh, I, I'm not like, you know, this is a bit like maths that's outside my knowledge yeah, of the field too, of maths. But she, she teaches category theory to her art students, and she's going to be teaching it to high school students at the summer camp. And she's such a good communicator that she can make this kind of degree level mathematics, um, you know, oh, wow. accessible. And, and she shows some really cool stuff. It, it was really interesting. And then she, she moved from showing us um, kind of um, looking at factors in a category theory way, and she moved it on to social equality issues in the category three, right? It was really clever. It's really... I, I think I saw a picture of the factors one. Can yeah. You, can you describe that? that? That looked interesting. So she was talking about, so say you want to list the factors of 30. Yes. And then she was kind of showing them in a hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. it ends up looking like a cube. Yes, that's yeah. the image. It's really cool, yeah. You could maybe send me that image and I'll put it on the yeah. show notes, right? Yeah, it, it was really clever. But then she showed that you could categorise people in terms of privilege, where you got rich white male at the top, and then you and then it kind of goes down in this hierarchy yes. with the least privileged people inside at the bottom. And she says that her art students, so like you know, as in uh, creative arts, performing arts, yes. they're really they really care about social justice issues. So if she teaches them maths through this social justice thing, they they're really really interested in that. And it, and it, it was and it is interesting because. You know, particularly in the kind of current global political situation. Yeah, yeah, well, social justice is is you know it's important. People are talking about it. Um, anyway, it was it was um, she was an amazing speaker. Um, she's doing fantastic things. She's uh, trying to change things for the better, but she's got great ideas. Um, and and it was everyone was massively inspired. There was a bit, so yeah, so at that point, at the end of her talk, I was thinking, well, she's the best keynote at this conference. <laughs> and there was a, there was an interesting situation at the end. Tell me more. Um, so she, she said, and it totally made sense in the context of her talk. She said that she would like the first question to be from a non-white, non-male, or, or at least, at least a female asked the first question. And then later on, Nicole Cousins, I don't know if I've said that right, do you know Nicole? Don't think so. So, so she, she, she then later on said there's actually research that says that in a, in a conference session, if a female asks the first question, then other females will ask questions 
But if a man mm. asks the first questions, then it will be. And I would never ask a question in a, in a keynote, like no, with all those God people no. in the room. I would never do that. So actually, and that is that me being female? I don't know. Like I don't have the confidence to ask a question there. Um, but so what happened was it was really nice. A woman asked the question first, and then and then um, and he might be listening. So hello if you're listening, man. But he was <laughs> at the back, and he and he put up his hand and he asked the question where he was basically sounded like he was suggesting that she didn't know what she was talking about with category theory, which obviously she does because she's an expert yes. in that. Um, he was asking her to kind of prove or explain it more. Um, and then, but then he said, oh, by the way, and I can't remember his words exactly, but he was saying I'm, he was insulted or he wasn't, he wasn't pleased that she said she didn't want the first question from a male. Wow. Um, so he very much missed the entire point of the talk um, and um, really kind of, uh, un, uh, I think all the men in the room probably felt quite embarrassed at that mm. point because he was like, you know, that that this was not a good thing for him yeah. to do. Um, and then she just gave the best answer in the world. She was awesome. Um, everything she said was just wonderful. And then she said, um, and if there, you know, she talked about um, privilege and how how this total lack of awareness on some people's part. And then she and then she basically said, and if there are any men in this room who are agreeing with me, you need to you, you need to speak up and you need to say that you know you're not gonna we're not gonna put up with this anymore. And I was sitting next to Tom Benison and he shouts out, "Well said!" And then it was like it was almost a standing ovation and it was like the biggest applause I've ever heard. It wow. was a real moment. It was amazing. Um, I mean, I'm both happy and I'm <laughs> <laughs> I mean, absolutely massive anti fireworks tomorrow. So good. And, and the good thing was that after, then, he, even though he, he'd had this thing where she had, she told him, like, she was great, then he still was questioning her maths oh. knowledge. And then, and then she gave a perfect explanation of the thing that he was asking her, and she seemed so kind of unwavering. Like, she knows her stuff. Yeah. Like, of yes. course she does. Course she Why does. wouldn't she? Yeah, of course. Um, and um, it was lovely. And then the nice thing was that all the questions, well, not all the questions, because there were lots of men with their hand up, and that's great, because no one's saying they can't ask yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah. But what was nice was lots of women then um, asked questions, so it did kind of almost show that, yeah, that thing happens, where if a woman asks a question, then yeah. other women will. It was really nice. That's nice. So I was really, I was, she was, um, I really wanted to see her speak because I know she speaks about gender issues. I, as I get older, I am more interested in gender issues yes. because I kind of feel personally affected by it sometimes, particularly in some of the stuff I do on Twitter. I feel like I get different responses than a man would sometimes. Oh, that's interesting. So, um, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. So, yeah, good luck with your keynote. <laughs> Right, okay, so after that, what do I want to offer? Okay, so I went to David Bedford's session. He is always he's hilarious good, and brilliant. He, he just showed us loads of really cool stuff. Uh, he showed us like a different proof of the sign rule that I'd not seen before, which relates to uh, circle theorems. That was really good. Okay. And he showed us um, all sorts of really cool things. Um, always a pleasure to see David Bedford. He's a very engaging speaker. Um, so that was my first day. And That's it was, a good day. It was brilliant. That's yeah. And then I'd say today was like equally, this is really a conference. So the I said to you earlier about the percentages session. Yeah, you've been building this up. Go on, tell me about this. Yeah, so on. this was Kat Van Salos. I hope I'm getting that right. So she is Core Maths Cat on Twitter. All right, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she is kind of championing Core Maths for MEI or right. AMSK. I don't know which one she is, but she's very, um, she's really passionate about Core Maths and she's doing a really good job. Um, and she's she delivered a brilliant session on percentages. Okay. It was called Percentages Through the Key Stages. So she started by talking about the percentages that are taught in uh, primary school. Okay. Do you know when they're taught percentages? 
Um, I can have a guess. Go on then. Do you know the answer? Yes. I would say a child first meets the percent sign in year three. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which way I'm wrong. Okay, it's so year five. Year, year five. Yeah. yeah. So in year five, they have to recognise the symbol, know it means parts per hundred, they have to be able to do some fraction decimal percentage yes, conversion. That's correct. Solve, solve problems. Um, in year six, they do more of it, so solving problems like uh, find 15% of 360, that kind of thing, and okay. comparing percentages. They do, in key stage three, mm. you add in the kind of interest, so you know, like compound interest, oh, right. like, so that we've got kind of percentage multipliers and we've got kind of money-related stuff, okay. and there's nothing extra at key stage four. Okay. Yeah. And if you think about, I mean, you know, yeah, there is yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's reverse, that's reverse percents. Like you say, that would be key stage three. Yeah. So, okay. so, um, so we talked about kind of that progression, and and we talked about what they do in uh, primary and secondary, okay. and we looked at some. Oh, we looked at psychology A level where they were asked um, a percentage question and like, it's quite upsetting how they do this since year five and they can't do the basic. Just yeah. like a bog standard question was there. It, it was like, I can't make it's like a percentage increase. I find the there's two numbers. What was the percentage increase? Yeah, and this okay. is like hard at psychology level. But the, the so Kat, what Kat had done, this was brilliant. Cool. She had got, her son is in year six okay. and she'd invited some of his mates round for pizza and she gave them some percentages questions and she filmed them doing it. Right. Um, so they were, so there might have been a bit, they may have been particularly good at maths just through the kind of social networks that, okay. you know, so we don't, they're not necessarily representative. And for the benefit of international listeners, year six, 10 and 11 year olds are Yeah, yeah, okay. so top of yeah. primary school. Yeah. And then she all asked the same questions of um, year 13s. So, 18-year-olds. Wow. wow, okay. And she filmed both. Exact same questions. Yeah. Okay. And the, the videos were just... I was, I was like, head in my hands at one point. This was, this was upsetting. Okay. So, I'll show you the two questions yeah, that we yeah, looked yeah. at. So, one of them was, find 99% of 200. Okay. Okay, so the year six, they say, well, we can find 1% of 200, which is two. Yes. And we can subtract it from 200. Yeah. So basically, two lines of working done, done in, a, in about five seconds and could explain that really nice. well. They're really articulate. Um, so literally just 9 times 7, 200. Oh, it's 198. Done. Okay. Year 13s. Now, are these year 13 maths students or just random? Yeah, they're doing A-level maths. You were, okay. Yeah. Okay, go on. Yeah, go like on. seriously. Like, okay. Good. So they write, so the common response there was to write, so they're being asked 99% of 200. Yeah. They write 99 out of over 100 times 200 oh, yeah? yeah they then they cancel out they cancel okay. so there's, there's a bit of efficiency there yeah. and they end up with 99 times 2 which one of them does by long multiplication oh, <laughs> so they do like a column oh, method to do 99 times oh, 2 oh. Um, so they still get 198 but with no yes. thinking or reasoning yes. or like you know and I think that's the thing is that it, it, it's the the thing that upsets me here is that because people are saying to me well they haven't done that you know these year sixes have just done a whole load of stuff in percentages mm. whereas these year thirteens haven't looked at this sort of question in a while and it's like I don't think that's the point no the, the year thirteens are so in sec- throughout secondary it's procedure 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 yes, yes and they have lost the ability to have a, a thought in their head yes. like it's this lack of it, I'm increasingly like 
really upset by the lack of thinking going on in maths in this country in secondary school. And you were saying that like you've had a bit of a change here, haven't you, since the um, <laughs> MA ATM joint conference. You're, you're a new woman. You're Yeah, I had like a profound like I had a moment there. I really enjoyed the ATM MA conference at Easter, and I got I got I got more out of it than I've ever got out of a CPD event. Like the the pace of it was was lots and lots of time for thinking, and I went to lots of sessions that were a bit out of my comfort zone, lots mm. of ATM sessions, and the. Um, and yeah, I came back thinking, just in kind of horrified by the lack of reasoning or the lack of thinking that students are doing in lessons I see, but also in my own lessons. Yes. So yeah, I did find that that had quite a profound effect on me. Um, and I apologise for the last 10 years of bad teaching. There we go. <laughs> well, what was the second question? Second one, this is, this is even more horrific. Okay, go on, go on. They're told that 5% of a number is 35. Okay. And they need to work out what 10% of the number is. Oh my God. Okay? okay. So... I mean, there were two parts of the question. It said, 5% of the number is 35. What is 10% of the number? And what was the original number? So they need to find 10% and 100%. Okay. So the, uh, obviously, obviously, <laughs> the year sixes said, well, if 5% is 35, then 10% is 70. Oh, of course they did. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you, I wish, I wish, I hope she'll share it. Oh, like, because I'm, you, dre- I'm dreading well, it. Well, like, I, I, this is where like, I was really, I was quite upset. So they, the year 13s, they're all like sitting there, there's a group of like five of them, they're all writing loads, and they're, they're deep in thought and they're kind of thinking, literally it says 5% of a number is 35, what is 10%? And one of them asked if he could use a calculator, and they're really like, they're, they're in a bit, you know, they've got all these different methods, they're using some X's, you know, <laughs> and then, so I'll just give you the method that one of them used, he said... Well, if 5% of a number is 35, he wrote 0.05x equals 35. I mean, that's right. If we call our original number x. Oh, jeez. And then he says, right, so to get x, I'm going to have to do 35 divided by 0.05. Oh. And he says, oh, can I use a calculator, please? Because oh, he found no, that really t- no. tricky. Um, and then algebraically, they find um, the original number, and then they find 10% of that. Now, yes, I know they haven't looked at percentages in a while. Apparently, when they were then given an A-level question, they were like, oh, this is more like it. But it's like, what the? How is this that's okay? Are they going to go off and do? I mean, hopefully they won't do maths at uni. Let's hope not. But there is, there is something incredible. But the worry, I mean, there's a few issues there, isn't it? I mean, I bet they do all right at A level, though, right? Like, yeah. that's that's a, it's a worry, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, bet, I bet they do okay. There's, there's something else. There's, there's, there's this, something this country is broken. Like, there's what is this? There's something wrong there, isn't it? And there? the thing is that let's not say that all year sixes. Oh no, because one of the things that so when it said five percent of a number is thirty-five, what would ten percent be? Cat pointed out that some of them would say three point five because they read ten percent and they think divide by ten yes, and they yes, just yes, see yes. a number and they divide yeah, it by ten. Yeah, so we know yeah, that yeah. we know they're not all going to get that right. And likewise, year th- some year thirteens will just get it like that. Exactly, yeah, yeah. but um, it was interesting because it was a group of like say five year thirteens and they're all sitting there writing. And this is the point where I have my head in my hands and I was like, what is going on with this I mean, country? If you've got um, <laughs> if listeners have got either A level classes or year eleven classes, obviously if, if you listen at oh. this, this time, maybe year thirteens and elevens have gone, but maybe got year 12s or year 10s it'd be interesting to give them those questions yeah just give us those questions one more time so the so the two that we saw videos on the first one was just 99 percent of 200 (laughs) i couldn't be more simple (laughs) and the next one was five percent of a certain number is 35 what would 10 percent of the number be and what was the number that'd be i'd be fascinated i'm so pleased you filmed it and it was it was delightful and fascinating it's brilliant watching like kids do maths yeah yeah and a bit cat cat was quite kind of embarrassed by her reaction in the a-level one because um she's watching them do it and she's sort of saying 
well, this is interesting. Oh, and she's, wow. So she yes. felt like maybe she was a bit patronising. I don't you, think she was. You have to be. But she that, said right? that she found it impossible to, to, mm. to not to, to sort of hide the fact that she was kind yeah, of horrified of by course, it. Of course, of um, course. But it's... Um, That's brilliant. Right? I, think it was, I think it was fascinating. And I think that with, I, I want to see more of these comparisons. We all, know there's a, we all know there's a big change, primary to secondary. And actually, LinkedIn. So later on, I went to see Alison Hopper do a five, year five to eight transition session. All right. Um, and Alison's great. Do you know Alison? No, I don't think so. She works for MEI and she's the primary, she's the, the primary person who, the only primary person that works for MEI. Okay. She ran Calculator Crunch recently, right. which is where they got, um, they, they set all these lovely calculator tasks for year six and year seven to do because this country, um, I'm 100% sure, has a calculator crisis. You're making some big claims here about this country, AJ, aren't you? Yeah, you no, mean? you know what? You can tell I'm in despair increasingly. This I think yeah. the more time I spend involved in, as I, as I get more involved in, Maths education as a sort of as a as a, a sort of national. I'm looking at what's going yeah. on. I just weep like I can't deal Sorry, with this. A calculator crisis. <laughs> the ca- I realised there was a calculator crisis the day before the calculator or the week yeah. before the calculator <laughs> paper. Bear in mind, two thirds of our GCSE is calculator, mm. and the whole of A level is calculator. Mm. And my year now, I say my year 11s. You know, I I, the, the, I did some work with yes. a particular class this year, and. Um, they didn't know, I mean, they could just about add two numbers in their calculator, mm. but they, they, they didn't know how to use the, the answer by the ANS button. They, yes. they, didn't, they didn't know how to use the fraction button, the SD button, the, the mixed number key. And that's before we even got to the fact, hey, the standard, the form button there is a percentage button there. Yeah, yeah. Like, they don't know how to use any of that. And, and one of the problems is, the behavior, the behavior is an issue where they're not bringing their calculators to school. Yes. There are bigger behaviour things to deal with because things are not in a good way. So the teacher, um, to say, oh, I'm going to give you detention for not being a calculator when they're, meanwhile, they're kind of swearing all this sort of thing. It's like, actually, there are other things. So, so they don't get punished for not bringing their calculator in. And as a result, the teacher basically avoids all calculator lessons because, because the, teacher's only got, the teacher's got like three crappy calculators yes. to hand out. And so what I'm seeing is, barely and I was the same because I taught in these tough schools this year and I found that I did a lot of algebra and I did I did I just basically didn't do much calculator stuff and um, so and then and, the, and I think a lot of teachers don't so this is something that Harris did this year I've been working on the Harris Central Harris team and at the end of year seven we gave a calculator and non-calculator end of year exam okay. they and Harris they're written centrally so all say yes. 25 secondaries will yep. do the same assessment um and I said to the person who'd set that test, I said, I'm really surprised they're doing a calculator test because they haven't, there's been no topic this year where they've anyone's used calculators. I've been in loads of year seven lessons. I don't think I've seen a year seven use a calculator this year. So it's weird we're giving them a calculator test at the end of year seven when they've not been, now really good teaching will embed calculators into place value yeah, yeah, and, sure. and all sorts of topics, sure. but they're not being used. I mean, they could be using calculators when they do angles. There's no yeah, reason yeah. not to. Um, but I basically never see calculators in use in year seven, but yet we give them a calculator test at the end of the year. Mm. And I think everyone, a lot of teachers don't realise that they, they, it's gone from primary. Like there's no calculator use at primary anymore, and they used to be. That's interesting. So they, so they used to be using calculators, you know, nothing complicated, yeah, but just yeah, using yeah. them. And now they arrive in year seven, 
sometimes they don't get a single math lesson where they use a calculator and at the end of the year they're given a calculator test. I wonder what, I wonder what it is because with the new, like, the new calculators, well, yeah, newish ones, you do amazing things on them, right? All Increasingly. The table yeah, stuff yeah. and yeah. everything, solving equations, all those yeah. kind of things. And I think, like, my instinct as a teacher would be that you can almost do too much stuff on the calculators so they're not doing the thinking and so on and so forth mm. but it sounds like it's the other way around like yeah. the kids just aren't doing anything yeah yeah I think that they you know I mean the, the, the classic one with the um, the mixed number key is if you ask them to do like two and a quarter times five they don't know they have to press shift in the fraction button to do two and a quarter ah, and yes. if you just do a two and then a quarter it thinks you mean two times yeah, quarter and it's like yeah. and it's just these little things where no point in their five years of secondary has a teacher just said to them Let's look at what this button does. Yes. Um, so the um, the the thing is, so I now, so my next, I've, I've got a whole load of stuff planned on this. So my next conference sessions I might be doing, I haven't planned them yet, but if I do a conference session in sort of October LaSalle, I think I'm going to show how we can embed calculators more in our teaching of topics that we might consider to be non-calculators. Oh, so for example, teaching place value, or, because there's so many good activities. Yes, yes. And in fact, to find the good activities, you have to look back at stuff from the 80s um, and then you find all these lovely calculator activities and the thing is that I'm not calculator geek at all I'm not into calculators yeah. I'm not into tech I don't know graphical calculators I'm, I'm not talking about I'm not talking yes. about any advanced yeah, functions yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just talking about how if we don't use them more we are letting our students down because you know, no it's, it's really interesting you say that because even in my head I'm thinking there's calculator topics and there's non-calculator yeah I don't topics. think that's no it's not no. it's, not it's that, like say, it? you're, say indices which is traditionally your non-calculator yeah, so you yeah, always yeah. say certain indices definitely non-calculator absolutely but actually when you're learning indices for the first time there's some great stuff you can do with a calculator and understanding powers yeah, and, and just there's some really nice activities there and um, when I went to research ed rugby Tom Franken showed us a really nice place value activity oh, with a calculator I saw you, yeah, you um, and, and since then I found out there's loads of place value activities that involve calculators um, but yet, people think of that as a non-calculator topic. You, you mentioned angles. What would you be? Th- what, how would you oh no, I literally just use the theory, oh. isn't it? Because if you don't, if you say work out that so missing angle in a triangle, and you've got two of the angles, yeah. and they're just having to do one eighty take away two, you're kind of slowing. Yeah, if, you, if, it's, yeah. if they have to do the working out the the uh, uh, writ, a written mm. method then you're slowing down the ones that are a bit slow at that and they're not yeah. getting much practice. And why not? I mean, I know people would say, oh, because they need all that practice of written methods. No. But then you just, you're just basically saying everything in, in your whole maths life depends on you being able to do that. Really Whereas actually, point. let them develop the fluency, the good geometry stuff yeah. with a calculator. And there's really no, I mean, if, it was, if I was planning my own year seven scheme of work, um, I'd probably have angles in the first half term with calculators because people often say you can't have angles up front because you haven't done those written methods yeah, yet yeah. so give, give them a, because then angles is a lovely topic to start year seven with because you've got all that um you're bringing in stuff from primary school but you've got you've got sort of a harder level of problems you can use yeah. so it's really nice for them to kind of well i, I just think angles is a lovely topic that's to start a really, with, it's a really good point but about with that. calculators it's a really good point that the calculators almost becomes kind of the skill that you interleave in with, with other topics. It isn't, exactly. Because some people say, well, I have got a whole load of resources on my website which are calculator lesson, like a lesson on calculators. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, what I'm, yeah, exactly, I'm talking about interleaving it throughout the course. Yeah. It's a good example of interleaving. It's a very good example. Yeah. I'm going to think hard about that. I like that, Joe. That's a good one, that. Um, okay, tell me more. So, yeah, so that really links... Oh, I see what, could you tee up there 
because that teaches me a little calculator tricks. Is now the time, <laughs> is now the time to do that? Yeah, so yeah, I, I learned some tricks today, but you know, I, I tried to I tried to show you this earlier, and I, I wasn't very good. So, uh, I mean, listeners, now's the time to get a calculator out. This could be a, yeah. Or a phone. Yeah, 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 phone, yeah. Right? yeah. So, phone calculator works. Um, so, uh, I was shown that I was at lunch. It's always nice at these conferences. You talk to these really cool people at lunch. You know everything, and uh, like got all these fun little tricks. So I spoke to um, a group, four mathematicians who come from Cheadle Hume High School. I might have mispronounced that. Oh, yeah. Cheadle Hume, or Cheadle Hume, yeah. which is in Manchester. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, do you know it? And they, um, the, the, there was a guy there who told me that if you, if you get your calculator out and you just basically make a rectangle out of any, uh, any keys, so you're basically choosing four vertices of a rectangle on the calculator. Like the number, the number keys, right? Yes, exactly. So let's say, for example, if I'm looking at my calculator and I could do 1793, and, yeah. and if you type that in, you've made a rectangle. Yes. Yeah, and I could do, I could have started with the 7, I could have started anywhere. And you I, could have gone any direction. I could have gone any direction, yeah. So and I could, I, can I rattle out a few more? And so I, could do a, I could do a smaller one as well. So I could go 5874. Yep, so you've made a rectangle. And I could go... Two eight nine three. Exactly. So you can make a rectangle of any orientation, any size. Yes. Yeah. And, and you're just choosing the, the vertices. The numbers that are on the vertices. Okay? And and whatever whatever. So I've made here two thousand eight hundred and ninety three. Yes. Now I can tell you something about the number you've just typed in tell there. Me about it's it. divisible by eleven. And I'm just going to confirm <laughs> Divide this. Divide by eleven. Hurrah! And it is. And you, your claim is that any number you make, let's call them the rectangle, the calculator rectangle calculator numbers. Calculator rectangle numbers. You're <laughs> any calculator rectangle number, four digits, is divisible by 11. That's what he told me. And wow. I don't have a proof. I haven't looked at it. But he just told well, me. Well, there's that your challenge list. But then the thing was, I said, um, I asked him about how do we know if a number is divisible by 11. Um, and I, I am, I really am into teaching divisibility tests. Like yes. this is something that some teachers don't know, let alone teach. Yeah. Um, but I, so we normally teach everything under ten, apart from seven. Some teachers might teach seven, but seven is a difficult divisibility yeah, I don't test. Yeah, um, So we normally, but you know, some of them are the the threes and the nine. I mean, it's actually one, the threes and the nines are nice, and then and then the four. The problem is that they often think they have to add up the digits, and then it's divisible by four because they get confused between. Yes. So, yes. But um, I, when I do, it's one of my favourite lessons of the year is the visibility test. I actually probably should do with two lessons, really, because it's quite a lot. Okay. Um, but I, I always lead in with the countdown, classic countdown problems. So you put your kind of Rachel Riley problem on the screen. Right. And then I can solve it much quicker than them because I know my divisibility lot. Oh. So this is my kind of hook for a lesson like that. I don't, I don't always do hooks, but that's a good hook. Okay. So I, I put one up on the board, and, and my, story, my story that goes with it is that I, I was doing like an enrichment week at my last school, where to fill some time, we put a load of countdown style problems up. Yes. And there was one where no one in the, the room, including the other maths teachers, could figure out how to mm. make the number. And, and I could but only because I knew it was divisible by nine, because oh, I know my divisibility right, test. Okay. Um, and they were all kind of wowed by that. So I teach it to year seven, and I say, you know, this is, this is like a core cool skill to have. Okay, um, well, what's, what's, the, what's six? Six just two and three. So if it's a little ah, if the digit, if it's, so if it's an even number and, and the digit sum is is uh, a multiple of three, then it's, and that again, we're, I mean, we're interleaving obsessed here, but we can interleave in factors there. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good topic. And, 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 and obviously, calculator skills to test the bigger numbers out and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's the divisibility 
test is, is a, such a beautiful year seven topic. I, I believe they do it at primary school as well. Mm. But, um, but you were telling me about 11, and I, I vaguely yeah. heard Yeah, no, I don't about think I knew the visual test for 11. So um, the guy today who showed me, he called it the wiggly line method. I like it already. Go now, um, so the first of all, he explained it to me like this if you have a number that's divisible by 11, so let's say. 863,632. Wow. That is divisible by 11. 863,632. Now, okay. he said if you take the first number as a plus and the next one as a negative, so we've got pos- positive, negative, positive, negative, and, and, then you, and then you add them up. Okay. If you get 0 or 11, it's divisible by 11. So in this, so case, so in this case, I would do 8 subtract 6, which is 2. Yes. Plus 3, which yes. is 5. Yes. <laughs> subtract <laughs> 6, which is negative 1. Yes. Um, plus three, which is two, yeah. and then subtract two, which is zero. Nice. I'm being okay. so careful. That's I'm not good. saying minus. I'm saying my negatives. Don't want to get told off. So I'm being really careful there. So that added up to zero, or the negative positive thing added up to zero. He calls it the wiggly line test because he says you draw this kind of wiggly line where you go over the first number, then you come down and under the second number, over, under, over, under. You draw this wiggly line, and then you take the ones that are under the wiggly line and add yes. them up. You take the ones that are over the wiggly line, you add them up, and it will either, it will be the same or you've got the difference of 11. Wow. Really cool. So I've never seen that before. And that, that was nice. fun. And that works for any size. Yeah. And it works for you. Oh, it works for you like 99, 33 and all that kind of stuff as well. So it was, um, that's really well, nice. Hold on. Would it work? So it would work. So if we know something's divisible by 11 and divisible by 3, then it's divisible by 33. I really, I think there's I think so much that, cool maths in there. Yeah. Okay, that's lovely. I mean, really, when you're teaching, if you've got a, a module or a topic in year 7 on your schema work and it says factors, multiples and primes. Yes. This is like, yeah, this is a yeah, massive yeah. part of that. There's loads to do. That's good. Um, and then at the same time, I've sitting next to Ben Sparks, he's who's like one of my favourite maths people. He's, he, all, every time I've ever uh, sat down with Ben, he's shown me a magic trick and, and he thinks it's hilarious because my reaction is always like, that is actual magic. <laughs> like this was, this was like witchcraft. Like there is no, so he did this thing where he got the, he got this guy to do a load of uh, single digit multiplications on a calculator. So he had to do like, Two times three times five times well, seven, any do. numbers, yeah. and, and he had to keep going until he went over a million, which is pretty quick. Okay. Um, and then, and then Ben said, "Read out the digits, but skip one," and Ben was able to know what that one he skipped was. And I was like, "But you don't know what numbers he put in, so this is magic. Like there is no, I absolutely like for for a while. I was like, this is actually not possible. So like, what on earth are you doing?" <laughs> I think Ben, I'm like the perfect audience for yes, Ben for Ben's yes, magic yes. because I genuinely think that it's like Harry Potter style magic. Anyway, I, I actually know how that works now, so that's yeah. my new. Do you believe that's a bit of a yeah, yeah. challenge? So, so yeah, so if anyone sees me at a conference, I will do that trick and I will hopefully get it right. So just for again, <laughs> just in case you missed it, it's, it's, it's a real fun one to do. So all you need to do, you say to somebody bang in any single digit number and just keep multiplying by another single digit, another single, pick any single digit number you mm-hmm. want and keep multiplying and pressing equals until the product that you've got on your screen goes above a million. Yeah, it could be higher or it could be lower, it actually worked, but yeah, keep and going. And all yeah. you need to say to Joe is you'd read out your number, but leaving out any digit of your choice. Yeah, so read out the digits, skipping one of them, and, and I will tell you that digit. Joe will tell you that yep. missing digit. And I'll get it right. So how can she do that? That is the question <laughs> on everybody's lips. Right, well, that sounds great. Um, anything else do you see? Um, these are great takeaways, these. Yeah, so it was... Um, it was really so. I was I was mentioning about how the percentages thing and how year thirteens 
were being very procedural and these ES6s were being a bit more reasoning. Mm. Um, th that kind of tied into Alison Hopkins later where we were talking about how we were comparing GCSE questions to Key Stage 2 questions. And there's a lot of very similar questions and we know that. We know that um, there's, you can barely tell the difference between some Key Stage 2 and some Key Stage 4 questions. And that's a problem, isn't it? That's a concern. It's a content issue. So we have a ton of content to get through. Um, and they don't get any more depth on the important stuff, yeah, but they just get all this extra content. Yeah, sure. And the, and the thing is that we were talking about an ordering fractions question and how we think that a year 11 might be 100% procedural about it and just go straight for common denominators to order fractions, mm. whereas we think that it might be that a year 6 may do a bit more reasoning mm. in terms of... Um, or we talked about comparing numerators or thinking about how, how far things were from a half and there were all mm. these like nice things mm. but we think that the year 11 would be a bit more procedural and then we talked about we looked at various questions where we thought that the, the it's almost like I feel like primary maths goes for they have to teach maths from the very very beginning and it's and you'll see this when your son goes to school that mm. it's this amazing thing of you know, right from the basic oh, concepts, yeah. and it's incredible. Well, when I interviewed Helen Williams for the podcast, it yeah. blew my mind. Yeah. Like, when she's saying, like, what is the number three? Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's the, the, the sort of, they have to, right from first principles, explain the whole of mathematics, and then they get to this, they, they get to go into all this depth and do all this real thinking and reasoning and, and all this lovely stuff, although the arithmetic paper is, is heavily weighted, and, and apparently students in year six can get their whatever they need expected standard thing if they yes. do pretty well on the, uh, very well on the arithmetic and get a few marks on yeah. the reasoning yeah, which yeah. means that quite often they're really drilled in the arithmetic and that is like a real shame that is a, that is a failing in the system but the thing is that I feel like they're kind of doing really good proper maths at primary and then they come to secondary and we have so much content because of this stupid uh, conflict where we've got DfE giving us too much content to teach, Ofsted saying they want to see all this in-depth teaching and we've got too much content, we haven't got the time so we can't do the in-depth teaching. And it becomes procedural and maybe, it become, maybe it's too procedural because there's too much content or maybe it's too procedural because that's the direction this country has gone in terms of the maths teaching um, and everything's all procedural. And then we end up with these 16-year-olds who, when they were 11, could reason and think and then just become these, like, slaves to procedure. You've changed. <laughs> You've changed. <laughs> and, then they're, and then at A-level, they're slaves yeah. to procedure as well. Yeah. Hey, I'm just teaching year 7 and 8 next year, and let's see That's if I'm going to teach yeah. differently to how I used to teach. I said this the ATMMA conference. I felt quite, <laughs> quite affected by that. But, um, can we can we talk about that other session that, that you mentioned where it was a bit, a bit controversial um, about counters? Can oh, that was the same one. That was Alison Hopper's where we were. So I found this interesting. <laughs> no, because I'm, I, you know, I don't want Mark or anyone who's. Uh, so this is a manipulative. Yeah, thing. yeah. And now, but this is interesting <laughs> because we we've got a similar history with manipulatives, right? And that. I'm right in saying neither of us have taught with them or we like got vast experience. Oh, I do a lot with them at home with my five-year-old. But in secondary, you want to... I have Numicon and Counters at home. No, I've not done anything, no. And then we were, ironically, we won a set of manipulatives, didn't we? We did, we won some algebra tiles, didn't we? Well, we won the Big Me quiz. Yeah, we have to mention that again. We did win the We did win the quiz. And I have obviously, I've interviewed Bernie Westercott for the podcast and been videoed using manipulatives. And Pete Mattock, obviously, um, has, has been on the podcast with his, with his book, Visible Maths. But I would call myself very much a manipulatives novice. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, just 
talk us through the, the points that we make. So I, I found this fascinating, Joe, when you were telling me at dinner. Um, so Alison is a very expert year, uh, a primary trained maths teacher, and she went to a session on manipulatives where she was they were using what other things where you got the zero pairs like the double yeah, sided counters, counters. Yeah. yeah so, so they've got the circular counters like yeah. plus one on one side yeah. negative one on one I mean I have, I have been to a, a few sessions on manipulatives I, I, I am very bad at, at not playing with the manipulatives on the table and making shapes out of them and not re- I don't listen very well because I got these toys in front of me yeah very much like a student would be. Right. Um, so yes, I, I have been to a few things on manipulatives, but I haven't, you know, I um, I see all sorts of logistical nightmares um, doing this in a normal, proper school with a, with all these children. So, so I haven't really done with it. So, you know, I'm... So apologies for my not knowing what these things are called. So we've got the double-sided counters, and she was, she was talking about um, four minus seven. Okay. Um, and she was talking about kind of putting out these four... Ones, yeah, yeah. possible. Like yeah. one side, and then and then she was talking about adding in how she, in this session they were talking about adding in these uh, these the zero pairs, zero pairs. <laughs> anyway, I, I kind of get I get how it all works, and she, and she gets, but she said that in this session suddenly she said there were counters everywhere and there's all this stuff going on, and she kind of thought I got this before this session, like, oh. she, and she got it from a number line perspective, which is a the you know correct. You can subtraction is is about move is is about moving up and down number lines. Maybe it's not, but she was she was saying that she understood subtraction and negative numbers, mm. and suddenly it was all like, whoa, what's going on here? You're taking something she's understood, and you're and you're basically saying to her, you you don't understand this, and here's a load of counters, and you don't really know what's going on, and it's all like a big yes. mess of stuff. And she's saying this is the experience that a if you are going to teach year sevens using these nipters, and, and if it's the ones they haven't used in year six, you must find out what they've used in year six. Yes. So, I mean, obviously, feed, loads of feeder schools, you do, they've all used different things. But if, you, if it's the first time that they're seeing this representation, then what you're doing is you're basically taking them from something that they understood well and, and they were comfortable with and, they, and they, 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 they didn't not understand these negatives. And you're, and you're saying... Here's a load of new stuff, and you're blowing their mind, and you're confusing them to hell, and suddenly they don't get anything. Mm. And so she's, and, and so we're not saying that it's a bad thing, and we're not saying that we shouldn't be using these manipulatives, but we have to bear in mind that we're, it's like you know, we're 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 making taking something they know, and we're stopping them from knowing it, and we're basically saying to them, all that all that maths that you knew. Here it is, and it's different at secondary, and you don't get it because we've got these counters, yes. and and that might be a problem. That's interesting. That so was she? Uh, I mean, this is my naivety, and forgive my ignorance here, but are the are the counters not used as much at primary? Is it very much? She, is it like secondary? That it very much depends on the. It, yeah, the I mean, she she it was the it was the sort of zero pairs. She said that zero pairs is a new language. She'd not heard that before. The particular. And she's very experienced. Yeah, yeah, she is. Well. And the and the double sided counters particularly were not something she'd use. She's saying that you know there's there's various manipulatives they use, but she was saying that. She'd rather see a teacher sort of go in with something they're familiar with, like the number line, and say, right, so we've seen, you all know this number line, let's refresh that, and, and now I'm going to show you another representation, and not just say straight away, here's, here's how it should be, and this right. is how you really understand it, this is how the understanding happens, because they understood it already. Yeah, because again, you could imagine, I, mean, I found this fascinating, Joe. you can imagine a scenario, and correct me if I'm wrong here, 
where the kids may be introduced to the number line in, in primary, gets, gets comfortable mm-hmm. with it. Then year seven comes along and the particular teacher for year seven is into their kind of play, their, these play yeah. these counters, double-sided counters and so on. So does subtraction and negative numbers that way. Mm-hmm. And then the year eight or year nine teacher doesn't like using the manipulative. So it goes back to the number line. Yeah. Like that yeah, wouldn't yeah, be a yeah. surprise, would it? You could imagine that. And then it's I mean, you could argue that uh, anything that deepens around standing is a good thing in a way. But we have the, we know we have a problem with a dip in year seven. Mm. But but this isn't just a year six to year seven thing. It also happens after GCSE, and it probably happens a bit every summer. Yeah. But we know that particularly they stopped doing maths a bit early in year six, and uh, because they've done their yes. SAT, then they had this particularly long stretch of time. Um, interestingly, we have some a couple of all through scores in uh, Harris that go that so so you know they stay in the same school right through to, from primary to secondary. Oh wow! Okay. And one thing they were, I don't know if they're going to do this, but they were talking about giving a test to the students at the end of year six, like just a little half hour, twenty yeah. minute test, giving the exact same questions when they come back after summer, and actually see if they have actually forgotten yeah. those questions because it's the same students. That's good there's idea. no change of school. There's none of this kind of. Is it the change of school that's yeah, throwing things? Yes. And just see whether that that period actually is a forgetting period. It's really interesting. But the I think what Alison was was saying that they go to secondary and everything's new, like everything's all over the place, and they've got all this maths they're really good at, and then and then the lessons are different, and the structure of the day is different, and and suddenly suddenly the things that they thought they could do have changed yes. and they can't and they feel like they can't do them anymore and their confidence is not and they hate maths and it's all this big mess so i'm not saying don't use manipulatives obviously and um, there are people who are very persuasive who feel very strongly that these are powerful tools at any age and i get that um but i think i mean alison was basically saying she was confused by it and that's really refreshing to hear because most people go to these manipulative sessions and they're like oh yeah i see yeah i get that and then i'm sitting there thinking Whoa, hold on, could you do that again? And like, if it, and um, last time, I wish I, I wish I had the, the name written down, but uh, after the Sal Math Conf last, last weekend, I was on the train with Paul Rodrigo, who had been to Bernie Westercott's very yes, good session. Yes. And Bernie had introduced uh, a manipulatives app, and I yes. can't remember the name of it now. It's something like brain training, brain something. You can look it up. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. And so Paul had the app on his um, tablet on the way home on the train and he spent most of the journey playing with it and it was a brilliant app like the the, the usability was spot on what like, are you talking like counters and things oh, like, and like that. yeah so you've got, you got an algebra tiles and you've got number lines and you've got counters you, it's basically everything um, and but the the uh, the interface was perfect it was really, really good and so he was playing with it trying to figure stuff out and there were times where and I was I was like looking at it with him and, and there were some points where I was like well that's really cool and it's like every time like the zero pairs like disappear it's like wow that's really good um, and it was kind of fun. I don't know if it. I don't know if it helps the understanding, but I, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, wow, that's really good. Like, oh yeah, we can show that a negative times a negative is a positive, and yeah, we can figure out. It took us a, it took us a few minutes to figure out how to show that. Okay. Um, but we we got there, and every time we got there, we were like, yeah, yeah, we get this now. And then there were a few things where we really struggled. Me and Paul, like experienced math teachers, struggled to figure out how we would show that particular thing. And I, I just think. These, the whole point is that these things are meant to be intuitive and, and make things easier. And there's me, like, really great at maths. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, oh, I can't figure it out and I don't really know how this is meant to work. And I'm not 100% sure that therefore simplifies things for students. If anything, it might make them think, well, you know, yeah, it might, they might be able to answer a question when prompted, when the teacher's standing over them and they've got these tiles or they've got these whatever it is. 
Um, but I don't necessarily, I'm not 100% convinced that it is simplifying or helping understanding as much as some people think. But I don't know, I haven't read the research on it, you that's, probably have. That's interesting. I mean, that will be controversial. I know, yeah. But well, that's the way we roll, Joe. <laughs> I mean, you're just, again, it's, but what I like about that, regardless of, of, of what people think, it is refreshing to hear that perspective, isn't it? And I think the thing that comes out for that for me is that it's so important to secondary teachers we have an awareness of the experience kids have had at primary. Yes. That's, that's the key to it, right? Because well, yes, if, if, kids have been, if kids have been brought up on a diet of, 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 of the double-sided counters yeah. and zero pairs, then it makes sense for us yeah. as teachers to, yeah. to learn it. But if, if there have been number lines all the way, mm-hmm. then we, regardless of how we think they should be taught, we need to know that. So yeah, as you we say, need to be aware, aware, yeah. Offer it as a different representation yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I think the, I mean, the bar modelling is is as same goes in with that as well. Yeah. Where we know that increasingly there will come through a bar modelling experience. And I, if you're going to put a uh, a ratio question on the board without a bar model and that's all they've ever seen, then they're going to think that's odd. But also, if you put one on the board and they've never seen bar modelling before, then you need to so go through it from the beginning. But yeah, it's just that awareness. But that's harder than it sounds because most of, of us have numerous feeder schools, oh, like you know, dozens of feeder schools in Absolutely. the London area. But so I, you know, that's it's really hard to um, get that right. But I'm now because I'm teaching year seven next year, and I'm thinking I kind of need to. I don't know. I, I need to know a lot more about. It's not just what they teach in year six because I kind of I feel like mm. I know that. But it's about how can I keep things. As, as kind of similar as possible so that they're not thrown and hate mash straight away so if I can try and keep the experience as consistent yeah. then I won't lose a lot at the beginning of the year because what I see is year seven's hating maths all over the place yeah it's going to be you know it's going to be fascinating to see what you do there have you control over your scheme of work like your um, we have to decide so there is a there is a Harris scheme of work that's being rewritten at the moment and we and we're going to have a look next week at the new scheme of work um, we we could we could do our own thing we could use white rose you know we've been looking at various things um, our school is a bit different to other Harris's like Harris generally take over um, schools that are struggling mm. and kind of do turnarounds but this is so Harris has two free schools so my new school and another one in Wimbledon um, are kind of in a different so a slightly more affluent area um, which means we have fairly high prior attainment students yeah. um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that the school, I mean I don't think they might actually really I don't think all of the topics they teach it doesn't, I don't think mm. it really matters um, I, I'm not sure. I, I think it's really. I think scheme of work design is something that I don't really know how you know what the best scheme of work for Year Seven is. Well, you know I have no idea. I've been thinking hard about this. A lot of people. I'm sure you get the same thing. People email me fairly regularly saying, "What scheme of work do you use? Can you show me mm, scheme yeah. of work?" And I think I could send you an Excel file telling you the order of the topics, mm. but that, that's not going to make that much difference. It, it, orders of schemes of work matter sometimes because they make it easier to, to interleave other topics in so it makes it yeah. if, if if something naturally follows on from something yeah. else yeah. that helps and there's a prerequisite thing as well like you have to be careful to get your Absolutely. order right yeah but it's what happens in the lesson that's the key, yeah. the key right it's the tasks you choose the way you model yeah. the way yeah. you do retrieval and so on and so forth the, the scheme of work is a very small part of there's this big thing in year seven where the the issue is we want them to come in and be really um 
fluent in and understand the place value and the the arithmetic and stuff. But then we know that kind of bores the hell out of them at the beginning mm. of year seven, and we actually want to show them some brand new maths yeah, at the start of year seven. Yeah. And it's getting that balance right. And I do think it's possible, but I I don't generally see it being done like schemes of work. I, I, it, I mean, it's really you hard. mentioned before angles. I mean, that's it. I I don't know a scheme of work that starts with angles. No, I see. I've decided. Like, I, I've, I've made a scheme of work that I'd like to use. I'm not head of maths in this new right. school. I'm assistant principal, so it is not up to me. I've made one that I would use. If, and, would you open up with angles? Um, angles is my first one. Wow. Yeah, it's really That's like... A big I'm, shout it, out. Yeah, I know. I, really love, I love my scheme of work That's that I've written. big shout what, um, what comes next? Um, I can't remember now, but it was... Um, I think I've got, um, I, I, see this is the thing, it seems like, so when, you, I can't remember when I came to algebra, but when you come to algebra, before that, I have things like my lesson on, um, I do a whole topics in depth session on indices, mm. and, I, and I firmly believe that you need to explain the whole concept of indices, the notation, yes. and how it works, before you can look at multiplying terms, um, and yet, um, I see schemes of work where we've got this whole chunk on algebra and then later in the year we've got like powers and roots and it's like what the hell because we're, we're saying do x times x over here and then but we haven't even told them what a power is yes. and I know they see squaring at, at primary school but there's all this like so when I've tried to write the scheme of work I've been thinking about all that kind of stuff and like things like um, when I do factors primes and multiples um, I've got some, a load of calculator stuff in there basically I've tried to put calculators throughout yeah. so so I've come up with, I mean, I'm never going to use it, so it's a bit of a waste of time, but I was playing around with what my year seven scheme of work would look like. I can't remember what I had after. You know what, listeners are going to want to see this, you know. people. Have yeah, but, but the thing is, though, it got complicated, because then you have to look at year eight and year nine, and, and you, you basically you can't do it without doing five years in one go. So that's when I, then, then you, you're like kind of, then you're looking at this thinking, have I covered everything, and have I given enough, and you, and you just find there's never enough time. Do you know what, I'll tell you what's fascinating. We, we mentioned it at the start, Mark McCall, right? So let's, let's, let's end it with, 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 with Mark. So again, he talks a lot of nonsense. We know this, but but one of one of the few uh, things he says that that makes a lot of sense is that what a waste of time it is that every t- I mean it's this time oh, of year, isn't it? This yeah, time of year, yeah. exams finish. What the teachers end up doing? Let's rewrite our schemes of work. It happens every year in, yeah. in schools around the country. And Mark's point is that we actually like maths has been taught for however many you know yeah. thousands of years. We know the order that works. Yeah. So it shouldn't be individual teachers gambling, saying, I'll try this, I'll try this, I'll try this, or buying into products and so on. Like, we, we know an order that works. Mark talks about, I'll have to get him to, to talk more about this. He talks about, and for, forgive me, Mark, if I, if I misquote you here, but there are different entry points. So you can choose to enter a scheme of work or an order of learning from different angles. Mm-hmm. But once you're in there, there's a definite prescribed order that's mm-hmm. logical, that makes sense, mm-hmm. that builds on these foundations and so on and so forth. And yet, again, as you're saying, as, as we're doing a similar thing, like we're having a, in, in Bolton, we're having a Bolton Maths Conference, where we're having a session on writing a scheme of work, and we're all going to talk about our key stage three schemes of work and so on. And is that the best thing that individuals no, I mean, should be doing? No, I agree. No, absolutely, we shouldn't. And the, the thing is that... I, so, do you know the three eyes? The three eyes of Ofsted? <laughs> of course you do, because you're on the Ofsted thing, aren't you? I, 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 you I, I, probably I, I, came up with them. So, tell um, me the three eyes. So, you know, right, impact, impact, implementation, and intent. So, this is, um, this is like, right, okay. and the thing is that Ofsted say, right, we're going to be coming in and talking to you about the three eyes. 
And then the effect that has, if you work for a big mat like I do, it means that for the last six months, every meeting I've been to, we've talked about the three eyes. Oh, wow. And it means that we are all spending a lot of time, so we've got a workload issue, because we think that we need to be talking about the three eyes and we need to make sure that our, all our heads of mass are able to answer questions on the three eyes. Mm. Now, this is like, I know that Ofsted don't, don't intend for this stuff to happen, but yeah, this is what happens. So, like, the whole, everyone in the mat is obsessed with three eyes at the moment because that's what Ofsted's talking about. <laughs> now, in my new job, and my assistant principal role, one of my responsibilities is curriculum intent. And there's a, there's That's a, one of the eyes. Yeah, so the vice principal has got in, uh, implementation and impact. <laughs> so I've got intent. Now, this is quite nice in a way because it means that we've got a brand new school we're building and we need to decide when are we going to offer them the GCSE choices and what are those options going to be. Mm. That's intent and that is actually something each individual school okay. does and I need to help make those decisions. Obviously, the head will be the main person making those, but I'll yeah. feed into that and then... I will have to, if also come in, answer questions on why we've designed our curriculum like that. Now that's fine, and I have my strong views on, on things like this. But the um, the belief is that Ofsted will come in and speak to heads of maths and heads of every subject about their curriculum. Now this bothers me because we teach the national curriculum. It's not like we are English or history and we are choosing modules and books and stuff. Sure. We teach a totally prescribed national curriculum in maths and we have no choice of it. But the idea is that perhaps they're going to be asked, when they talk to us about our curriculum, they're talking to us about our ordering and the way we deliver it. So our implementation being, um, well, they would say, are we doing mastery (laughs) and stuff like that. So whatever that means. And and so the idea is that heads of maths, even though they're going to be delivering most of them a Harris scheme of work, they need to be able to answer Ofsted questions apparently on the ordering of that and why it was written the way it was written. Now I don't need, really? Wow. <laughs> so this is what now all this workload is now coming in to do with the three eyes. And really? I mean, is that what's happening? Because I don't think this is what offset me. No, I, I mean, I, I don't, don't know. But thought, so. I, I think at the moment there are heads of maths and there are schools all over the country who are like got their heads saying to them, the three eyes, let's deal with it. Let's write some intent. Everyone's writing intent documents. Mm. And the intent document kind of says... Mathematics is a language of beauty and all this sort of thing. And it's all this, like, what maths is. And there's literally, in every school in the country, people are writing the same thing down. And then we're trying to explain why we teach maths. And there's, like, this massive workload duplication going on. And then we're trying to... Then we think that... We think that Ofsted they're going to come and meet the head of maths and say, justify the order of your scheme of work. Really? I mean, is this going to happen? <laughs> I don't know. But this is what's happening in schools at the moment. And that's crazy. So... I don't know. That's weird, isn't it? That is weird. That's a that bit. It's weird. a bit. It's a bit unsatisfactory. This situation. Well, but there you go. There we go, Joe. Now you know what we've got to talk about before we wrap up. Just in case anybody is still listening, what this is how bad we are in terms of marketers. What have we not mentioned here. Oh, so we have a we have a really exciting course coming up. We're doing it. We're doing <laughs> it. Marvelous maths. Whether you're in the north or the south, we'll, you can come and see Something us. Something for everyone. So if you're in the south, um, you can come to Joe's new school. Um, oh, it's like the best building ever. On the date, do you know? Uh, is it like the 29th September? No, sorry, it's 29th of October. Tuesday, 29th. Yes, of October. because your one—I say your one—I mean the north one—is on Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> so Tuesday, the 29th of October in London. Um, We're going to dress up as ghosts for your... (laughs) (laughs) Thursday, the 31st of October um, in Halifax, um, in Yorkshire. 
We're two fantastic schools, Joe's School and uh, Trinity um, uh, Academy in Halifax, the home of White Rose. Um, and yeah, it's, it's me and Joe. We're, we're limiting tickets. There's only 100 available for each event. Some would say exclusive. <laughs> uh, we haven't pushed this at all, really. Joe's done a blog on it, uh, sent a couple of tweets, and, and tickets are selling and really, yeah, really well. Yeah, we sold loads. And actually, we didn't think we really sold any till September because we know that a lot of schools can't get this sorted before summer, but actually, we've sold loads. We've sold, we've so, sold. Yeah. So they're, they're, definitely go, they're definitely going ahead. And yeah. It's definitely going to happen. We've announced the program. It's, it's Joe doing something, me doing something. Yeah, we alternate, don't we? Yeah. We've got. We're doing all the biggies. Um, we've uh, <laughs> we've also got we've got a quiz um, into the mix. We've got some amazing prizes. We've got some amazing free gifts that are also yeah. also coming. Um, again, we're, we're, I don't think we even need to reveal them. We're just leaving just these people <laughs> because you, you know. Um, but yeah, we're, it's it's ninety pounds um, plus VAT plus um, um, there's like an Eventbrite uh, fee. But um, schools can claim back the VAT. And we're hoping, yeah, that, that we're going to see as many of you there as possible. So there's um, details on Joe's blog. If you just Google Marvellous yeah, Maths. It's, it's, ma- it's mathscpd.weebly.com. And it's um, we've got a whole website that explains the whole thing and you can book through that. But I think it's going to be really I good. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. We're, we're, it's like, well, we're talking, uh, this will be a seamless link. So <laughs> you were talking there about taking control of schemes of work. We've taken control of this conference, haven't we? Yep. What we're doing on it. Because not often, if, if Joe mm-hmm. and I are asked to do things, we'll say, can you talk about this? Can you talk about this? Well, we've got free reign here, so I'm talking about three things that I feel particularly passionate about. Joe yeah, is Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about my sessions. Yeah, it's nice to be able to choose the things that I think maths teachers will really benefit from and that I really feel like I have some expertise on. So it'll be, it'll be, yeah, good. It will be good. It'll be good. So we'll mention it again in, in, in September. Um, but yeah, my advice would be, and I know all kind of dodgy salesmen say this, but get in there quick would be my mm. advice. Because you don't be disappointed because who knows whether we'll ever do this again Joe anything could happen (laughs) who knows anyway I'm looking at my watch now it is 25 to midnight at the end of a very very um, and we're both presenting tomorrow we're both presenting tomorrow I've got to follow this flipping award uh, this (laughs) keynote so anything could happen there but I hope you've enjoyed this and as I say we know that these conference takeaways aren't for everybody because some some people say that you've got to be there you can't just get these little snippets but what we try and do is just provide a couple of little insights don't we and having not been to any of the sessions I've certainly learnt things from speaking to you Jess. I'm going to get in trouble for this manipulative thing oh, yeah. just, just so everyone knows I, I I don't have an opinion either way on manipulative <laughs> sounds like it sounds like it um, so uh, Joe thank you so much again for giving up your time and taking all these notes and stuff it's, it's very no very much appreciated and thank you to our sponsors Boss Maths check out their website it's absolutely excellent and thank you to you you lovely loyal listeners for keeping on tuning in and there's only two more podcasts left this academic year. We've got Tom Sherrington is back to talk all things Rose and Shine. And then we're ending with the big one, the 2019 Slice of Advice. What have you learned this year? Where at current standings, the, that podcast will last eight minutes. Because <laughs> uh, nobody's got back to me just yet with, uh, with their contributions. But hopefully I'll be able to uh, pull in a few favours and even get a few big names on that. Anyway, Joe... Thank you so much. Thank you, Craig. It's a pleasure. And thank you for listening, everybody. You take care of yourselves. Bye for now.